Hello everyone, I'm your host Gianna Choi and welcome to season two of Project Masterpiece, the podcast you never knew you needed. In this season, each episode will have two or more guests, each with a specific factor that makes them similar. Who knows, it may be the college or university they attend, their occupation, ethnicity, gender, religion, or something completely different. So let's jump right in, learn about similarities, differences, and life experiences, and discover that everyone is a masterpiece. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to season two of Project Masterpiece. This is episode three, where we're talking about women's rights, but specifically in the workforce. Our two guests for today are Meredith Gibson, the Chief Executive Officer for the Association for Women in Science, and Tiffany Bartow, the Program Director for the California Commission on the Status of Women and Girls. Hi, well, I'm so glad to join you. This is Meredith Gibson. I'm the Interim CEO of the Association for Women in Science. We are a professional association for women in all the STEM fields. Most of our members are uh, undergraduates through senior career women who are finding uh, support, professional development, and networking opportunities within our programs. We do have a number of allies who have also joined us to help make the association strong and vibrant and uh, help have gender equity throughout the scientific field. And of course, we also have Miss Tiffany Bartow, whom we didn't get an introduction from, but you'll be hearing from her shortly. I've wanted to do a podcast episode specifically on women's rights for a really long time because even in my small 17 years of life, I've noticed that discrimination and inequality against women is so prevalent in society, it's become so normalized. And just because you're a woman, it doesn't mean that you're gonna be worse at a sport automatically. It doesn't mean that you can't go into STEM, that you can't be as good as a male counterpart or better than a male counterpart in physics, math, chemistry. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to be outspoken in the public sphere. It doesn't mean that you can't be aggressive in a debate. There are so many forms of discrimination that manifest in the day-to-day lives of women, and that's especially in the workforce today, and those issues need to be addressed. They need to be called out. So one of the first things that I asked these women was whether or not they had personally experienced discrimination or inequality in their workplace because they were women. Um, well, I can, I'm happy to share one story. When I was straight out of college, I, it, it was not in a STEM field. I was working in a restaurant. Uh, a coworker put a uh, sculpture that was not work appropriate at my workstation. And I was shocked and a little bit, I was mad and I threw it away. My boss, a male boss came over to me and said, well, why are your panties in a bunch? And I, I walked away. <laughs> from the my workstation for about five minutes and then I came back and um, I knew that I wasn't going to stay at that job it was a temporary position for me anyway and I didn't really do anything about it nothing like that happened again to me in that location but I regret that I didn't have a conversation with the person who made the sculpture and say I didn't think that was funny and I, I don't know what you thought that meant and I regret that I didn't say to my boss who was, you know, 28 or so at the time and early in his career, you know, this doesn't make me feel good. Why did you treat me that way? And this isn't the way a work situation is supposed to be. Absolutely. Um, I've had positions in my career, um, unfortunately, who have been overseen by men 
um, and had the, you know, I was having my baby at the time. It's like, well, you're not able to do this because you, you can't lift this because, you know, you're pregnant. I'm like, well, I still want to continue. I can lift this box. I can still do what I like to do. Um, I was formerly an athlete, so I still continue to work out and do everything I could possibly do because I'm just having a baby. So that's one experience that I had to remind people I'm fine. I don't need anything additional from you or I cannot do these things. So don't limit me because of my pregnancy. I'm still going to come out on top of all of this. Um, and that's one experience that I have and I can definitely speak to with women, you know, returning back to work or fearful to take any time off work to care for their children because it's a little different for us as we, you know, move ourselves back into the workplace from being out. I've also had, you know, a limited, you know, we want to put you here. Here's the box that we're going to put you in. We want you to stay inside this box and don't move around. Even the smallest comments or jokes that you say that just go over your head that you think are, you know, just jokes that you can laugh off. Those are still indicative of your inherent bias, and it's not funny for a lot of people. So if you have ever said those small comments or that you, you're constantly saying those small comments, I encourage you to reflect on that. And for those of you who have heard comments like these, don't be afraid to speak out. Don't be afraid to tell people honestly how those kinds of words make you feel. And most importantly, don't let that diminish you or inhibit you from doing anything that you want to pursue. Don't let people's words limit you. Don't let them put you in a box that they've created the boundaries for. On that note, the next thing I wanted to know was why gender inequality and discrimination still exists today. As for Meredith, I asked her specifically why there's still such a disparity between the number of men and women in STEM and what social, economic, and cultural undercurrents were still in play. I believe a lot of our behavior, we learn through our family structures, we learn through media these days. Um, sure seems like we're learning a lot through social media. And so, um, especially social media, there's that feedback loop. You say something, you learn, you get more information, there's confirmation bias. So you're looking for things that help you think your opinion is right. If you've been taught something, it takes a significant moment of self-analysis or awareness and drive to take a second order question and learn from other people why they might think differently. Maybe that won't change your mind. In this case, I certainly think it would. But with anything, asking why someone who believes differently than you do, why they think that way. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it exists today because people have a hard time letting go. Um, I think if they can keep things the way they were a long time ago, that's much more comfortable because change is very difficult for people. Stereotypes and breaking the stereotypes of what you've heard, um, what you think, you know, based on, on video, it's like, oh, I didn't know, you know. And so I think people, you know, have the outright bias and they're blaming it on it's not it's something that I thought of, but not really. Oh, you thought of it, right? Because it comes out of your mouth. Well, there are certainly a number of reasons, but since STEM fields have historically been male dominated, many in society still hold stereotypes and implicit biases. Women and girls have been directly told that they don't belong in math and science classes, or they intuit this from being one of the few women or girls in their classes. AWIS in society has generally, um, we've made great strides in the last 50 years in shifting this perception. In fact, now about 48% of the STEM degrees awarded a year go to women. 
yet only 34% of STEM jobs are filled by women. So while there's been improvements in the pipeline, we still have a retention problem. And there are pipeline problems also in the field of STEM. Physics, for example, has many less women than men, whereas life sciences, there's a lot more parity in those who get degrees. Uh, two of the reasons for this retention biases uh, are bias and harassment. We've made a lot of progress as society, but in some cases we've driven overt harassment into more subtle forms of hostility or microaggressions. For example, women aren't always given credit when they, it's deserved for their work. They can be intentionally left off emails or meeting invitations, talked over or ignored in meetings, and otherwise made to feel invisible. Women receive less compensation and fewer promotions, and they don't see themselves in many cases reflected in the leadership of a project or organization. For women of color, binary women, and other marginalized groups, they face additional compounded barriers. Absolutely, there's always the issue of systemic and historical influences and confirmation bias, always leaning towards your initial biases and not being open-minded enough to change your perspectives. As for STEM, in 2021, there were no women who won the Nobel Prize in science fields. And as for the wage gap, women are consistently earning less than men who are doing the same exact work that they are. And that's been going on seemingly since the beginning of time. It's improved, but it hasn't actually reached a point of equality yet. And so for these two women who have been so involved in advancing women's rights and women's status in the workforce, they must have seen a lot of instances of discrimination so I asked what the worst instance of discrimination or injustice they had encountered throughout their career had been. Not only is that including, you know, pay equity is a major um, part of discrimination, but you have also pregnancy, you have, you know, a accommodations for women as they're returning to work or leaving to go out on maternity leave. And you have straight out discrimination based on color, which is still, you know, like people say, you know, I'm shocked in 2021 and I have to say I'm not shocked. I think the worst case discrimination, which is harder to see, is what can significantly affect the mental health of a person. Small comments from others that get stuck in a person's mind that make a person feel small and detrimental, I think that those really cut and really make a, can have a damaging effect more than just that project or that specific, you know, employer or situation in your career. I think the visual clues and body languages that we take from others that make us doubt our judgment and our understanding of the situation is terribly detrimental. If you see the uh, documentary Picture a Scientist, one of the characters states that you can be hit with a ton of feathers and it's still a ton. For many, this leads to an exit from the field and losing the talents and the creativity and the drive of smart scientists reduces the quality and speed of innovations. You have, um, you know, common positions. I don't want to say, you know, police officers or correctional officers or people that are higher up in construction work. They're all like male dominated. Some of this also comes from, you know, investment world and being on Wall Street. And so you have this financial, you know, background where it's not common for women to be in those positions. And so women are treated as such. This is not your, your role. And, um, you know, people can do a very good play on women with making them feel inferior. So that has to stop. You know, what's really disappointing is that a lot of these quote-unquote worst instances of discrimination are things that are just so prevalent, that happen so frequently in the workforce. It's not really just one isolated incident that they can recall. It's something that's constantly occurring. 
And so that leads us to ask, what are some other forms of gender discrimination that are normalized in society? There's a few, but I do think, you know, unfortunately, sexual harassment um, and retaliation are one that just continue. And and we hear about them on, you know, specific kinds of, you know, people who are committing these, you know, crimes against women. But I do think that's one that definitely, it can speak volumes and then, you know, become silent. And so I think it, it when it pops up, people get like, ooh, but it shouldn't be, ooh, it should be, this is, you know, in the workplace. And how are we able to advance effectively? And how are we able to be able to speak out about it if it's something that kind of becomes mute over time? I think that's something that still needs to stay vocal. It needs to stay highlighted. And women need to have the resources available to them and outlets to be able to speak about what's uncomfortable to them. Well, I was just reading about, um, there was a professor at Boise State who spoke recently and he, I think we've spoken in the fall actually, and he said women shouldn't be recruited into STEM law or uh, medicine fields and men should be recruited more. And when asked about it, he, um, he said, you know, read my writings. I've never said women couldn't be or shouldn't be. But the fact of the matter that he is very, from my interpretation of his words, very carefully putting forward his viewpoint that men belong in STEM and, and women don't. He's working very carefully to say it in a way where there might not be repercussions. But the fact of the matter is that he says it and he's in a leadership position as a professor. So we have these women who are actively involved in making sure that the workplaces are as equal as possible, but this isn't just a one-sided issue that we can hand off to half of the world's population. We also need to include men in these discussions so what is the best way that we can make sure that men are also included and that they are equally as passionate about making sure that environments are equal for men and women? Well, I think, you know, there, there, I don't know that we have the, the larger voice that we need to have for men and, you know, boys to be included in on women's issues and concerns. I think men and boys also need, you know, they came from women, right? You maybe have a wife or a sister, right, or a daughter, or an aunt, you know, I can give you a whole list. Um, but I definitely think that men need to also stand up as well and also be a voice for women and see when these issues are happening, be the person who's gonna jump up front and go, nope, this is not right. You know, why is this happening? And not let it be something that we carry all the weight on, on our own. And I think because women have carried a lot of weight on their own, they're, they're used to that. And so I think it's, it's past time for men and boys to jump in and also help champion and be a leader for women's issues and concerns and help spread our, our voice as well. There are a few ways that I look to include men. First, of course, people have to be asked to be involved. A lot of times, you know, everyone's busy and we have a lot of things going on. So if a person doesn't receive an invitation to join a conversation, a group, show their support, they may not instinctively do that on their own. Um, I spoke with a male professor once who said he'd taken an unconscious bias training because it was required. He assumed he didn't have any biases and that he didn't need the training. But then he said he did learn at the event. So starting the conversation is always a really important place. I find that um, it helps to have a lot of data in these conversations, but equally as important is the personal stories. 
We were also discussing how important it is to have a good support system, to have people, leadership in the workforce who are willing to address issues of discrimination and are also willing to hear people out and lend an ear. Maybe even more important is that anyone in a leadership position, when they see something like that, they have the political capital to withstand the pressures more than a younger or more junior employee. So it really, for those who have already made steps up the professional ladder, I would, I would encourage them to keep their doors open and be willing to use their political capital to support the younger staff people around them. Because those are the ones who, if they lose their TA position or if they don't get a good postdoc, if they're in the academic field, whose careers are really in jeopardy. And so leaning down to help and support and protect. Well, I, I think that women should be able to have someone that they feel most comfortable talking with and being able to express how they're feeling in the workplace. I, I do know most of the time supervisors are you know just mandated to report this information. But I do think having a really good um, very well-polished HR professional that really knows the rules of the law and then can really get in to investigating um, these types of acts on the in the workplace and also making people uh, be accountable for what they've done. And so you can't slap people on the wrist and move them around and move them around different units. People have to be accountable for their actions. I think it's intolerable in the workplace and you should have consequences which could ultimately end up in termination for um that type of behavior in the workplace, which is unacceptable. So um, environments and systems are made up of people, and we definitely need system change. And the leaders of those organizations need to help set that system change with their expectations by creating a welcoming culture and enforcing, um, and enforcing those cultural values to make sure that women can thrive. Leaders need to um, accept the expectation of gender parity and participation. And that can look like at any level of leadership, looking at the project you're involved with and make sure, just count the numbers. Is there parity there? And if there isn't, how do you pull in different people to make the team mix up and work well? If you're in a group setting as a leader, you can think of, you can make a conscious effort to notice everyone in your group. You could note who's participating and who might not be. And if they're not being, not participating, you can speak to them privately and ask them to speak up, ask them questions and how it would make them more comfortable so they are able to speak up. Um, or if they want to uh, write notes and ideas afterwards, make sure that you bring those up in the next meeting and give them credit for their ideas. Um, and right now we have a huge, um, at least goal and campaign to make sure that women are represented equally, that women are represented fair. Women of color have it on, on the down end, you know, they're down, you know, in the ground as far as trying to uplift and make them be in leadership and executive roles. And there has to be some changes. I think we're on, on the path. I don't think we're anywhere near there. But what I'd like to see is people not talk about it so much and be about it. So if you're going to be about this, how do we get there? What are you doing to make things be more fair and equitable for women at a much higher level? What are your hiring practices look like? Um, what are you doing to make sure that people feel very much so included? Um, you know, have diversity, equity, inclusion committees. You have diversity, equity, and inclusion companies who help, you know, drive other companies to being in the same space that they need to be in with everyone else. 
But is that just for now? Or is that really what you believe in? Is that a core value that you set up for your company to make sure that women are whole and that women are equal? So now that we've talked about all these issues and we've talked about what organizations can do to help address gender discrimination, what can the individual do? What can you do in your day-to-day life to make sure that you're not someone who's either making the issue worse or someone who's staying silent? Educate yourself on gender equity issues. Follow influencers and subscribe to um, different outlets that let you know what's going on. AWIS has the AWIS News Brief for curated content about science. Listen and seek to understand unique experiences and perspectives. Ask what kind of support a person might need. Notice who's around you. Understand your privilege relative to others and be empathetic. Apologize if you make a mistake. Use your privilege to create change. Mentor someone, sponsor someone, speak up if you notice someone's being talked over. And find your own reason why equity and inclusion is important to you and act on it. Whether it's a business imperative, whether you want to see women represented, or you're looking for more women just to be represented in the sciences in the whole. Really think about your motivation because that will lead you in the direction on how you can be most effective. Um, And you have to be the person who's going to amplify, highlight, and be boisterous in this. This is not something where you have to sit back and go, we'll see if change happens. It's like, why is that happening? What are you guys going to do to fix that? And you continue to stay strong in it and you ask the tough questions because people are uncomfortable with tough questions that have to do with race, it has to do with gender, it has to do with sex, it has to do with, you know, LGBTQIA. It's a lot of things that people don't want to bring to the forefront because it's uncomfortable, but you have to be cozy and being uncomfortable in order to make change. This is the California Commission on the Status of Women. So there we have other women's commissions, you know, throughout California that are, are small. And so we just want to hear what's going on, what's going on in, on your end of town and what's going on where we can also help be a voice and amplify any issues that we may not know about. I'd invite people who are in the sciences to uh, uh, visit awis.org and allies to visit awis.org. Um, our scholarships are open right now for uh undergraduates and graduate students. So um, those applications are due February 28th. And that's a wrap on that episode. Thank you so much to both Tiffany and Meredith for being fantastic guests and for discussing gender discrimination in the workforce. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Project Masterpiece. Make sure to follow this podcast from whatever platform you're on and also leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you can. Make sure to also follow at project.masterpiece on Instagram and feel free to DM any episode suggestions or comments. Have a good day and remember that you are a masterpiece.